You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. This episode of No Love Lost is brought to you by FredHeBakes.com. That's right, FredHeBakes.com. Guys, it's a stressful time to just be alive and in the world right now. So why not treat yourself to some delicious baked goods? They make me feel good. They'll make you feel good too. Head on over to fredhebakes.com to order yourself some delicious brown sugar buddies and use the offer code NOLOVELOST to get 20% off your order. Once again, that's fredhebakes.com. And if you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, head on over to the Podcast Jukebox Network to get yourself some No Love Lost merchandise like No Love Lost t-shirts and Crazy About Kurt t-shirts. So guys, whatever way you choose to support the podcast, it really means a lot to us. And honestly, in all seriousness, we just hope you're staying safe and staying healthy out there. Please, please be careful. These are crazy, crazy times. So please take care of yourself because we love you. All right, Michelle, if you would be so kind. Let's go to the island. I would like to see the polar bears. There was a crash and there are others and there are numbers. And it all means something supposedly, but even though there times we hang our heads in sadness we know there's no love lost we had to go back back like back to the polar bear cages because i'm not about that man i'm gonna be honest they are not very comfortable No, no, we just have to go back to the tiny island next to the big island. No, you didn't say anything about a second island. You're full of it. I'm not going to any of the islands. Welcome back to No Love Lost, the podcast where we talk about all the islands on the hit television series Lost. Uh, I'm Will Link, and with me as always... Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And once again, we are uh, we are we are separate. We're separated, like like people on separate islands right now, Megan. <laughs> You're on an island to yourself. I'm on an island to myself. I mean, when you think about it, isn't every man onto an island himself? Um, we're gonna be talking about season three, episode four, "Every Man for Himself." Uh, it is written by Edward Tis uh, and Adam Horwitz and directed again, oh. like last week's episode, by Stephen Williams. Okay, Kitsits and Horwitz, back at it. Yeah, who are no, who have done like kind of a little more like lighter, wacky leader. I mean, they're still dealing with like mental illness and addiction, but like uh, they've done more episodes about like some of our wackier characters Curly yeah. and charlie um I'll, i'm gonna be honest i like their take on sawyer a little bit better than i like their take on like hurley and, <laughs> and charlie i um i did like their I, I actually really like this episode for sawyer i do think one thing that's funny about this episode and i think i think these two guys as writers have a throw a lot of humor into it but some of the humor here, because I think some of the dramatic highs were so high, some of the jokes, 
didn't feel as much like jokes, like when Sawyer pours the bucket of water on his like a big laugh moment in theory. It's but, like, ha ha ha, he's aroused. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> he could die. <laughs> but yeah, everybody's so like, but it's so somber at the same time. Um, <laughs> that that you might actually have to take that up with the director on that one. That's Not true. That this isn't a well-directed episode. But tonally. But you know... Something on the page, you know, doesn't necessarily work in like a you when you're just like reading it silently to yourself. But like it's the director's job to then make it funny. That's true. So um, let's get into this episode. Uh, but first, if you're a new listener joining us uh, in uh what are these very trying times? Uh, just as a heads up, if all records of Lost have been destroyed in this apocalypse that we find ourselves, we're just letting you know ahead of time that we could be spoiling the entire series for you within the framework of this episode of this podcast. So, fair warning. Yeah, you might uh, find out some things you don't want to find out. Um, <laughs> just Sawyer found out some things in this episode that he didn't want to find out. Can I, can I just say right here at the, at the top of this episode, since we usually start with the flashbacks, I already find this flashback to have more inherent value than both Jack and Locke's flashbacks so far this season combined. I would agree. Um... Because it it shows, like, I think it does show something different about Sawyer. Yeah. Uh, Unlike those other flashbacks, which just reinforce things we knew about Jack and Locke. However, I will say, and I think this with most season three flashbacks, and it's one of the reasons why they probably abandoned the flashback after this season. Um... There is something semi-incomplete about it. I love everything that's there, but there's something like, I feel like there's more to the story that... Well, I, I, think, that's, I think that's intentional, and I'll, I'll tell you why. A lot of the flashback episodes in season one and season two act as complete character arcs in some way or, or same in some way shape or form and usually they're done that way because they're introducing a character it's like this is what this person is about this is how they got to the airport and this explains their state of mind when they got onto that plane and this is how it ties into their current situation etc etc um this flashback episode it does that to an extent in terms of reflecting the the person having the flashback, reflecting their state of mind and their current circumstances, because this is a story about Sawyer being incarcerated in some way, shape, or form. So in which case, I kind of welcomed a Sawyer flashback episode because out of everybody, he and Kate are the ones that have been in police custody before. I guess yeah. Jack did for like a hot second, but it's not like we focused on that. That wasn't the point yeah. of his flashback. He's not a criminal. No. Um, although maybe she should have pressed charges. I don't know. That, <laughs> that's a discussion for a different day. But like it, so I felt like it was a very fitting flashback and something that I feel like Sun's flashback did that made it inherently more compelling than both Locke and, jo- and uh, Jack's flashbacks so far this season is that they progressed an ongoing story. 
last yes. season, um, you know, Sun Sun's affair was an ongoing story, and we didn't know how that resolved before she and Jin got onto that plane. After the glass ballerina, we know how that resolved. Um, and there's there's nothing we need to know more really about Jack's past at this point. Uh, yeah. on the He's gotten the most flashbacks. And with Locke, there is something we still need to know about his past. So then when you get into season three and you give a story about him like, you know, on a, on a pot farm. Yeah. Um, yeah, going on a side quest. At that point, it's like... <laughs> An illegal side quest. Exactly. We just, at this point, want to know, how'd you get in that wheelchair? How'd you... And so to get anything else at this point... Because that's something that the show is still keeping very close to the chest. But we will find out soon enough. Uh, spoiler, it's upsetting. <laughs> it's very upsetting. <laughs> well, I think I remember when uh, <laughs> when it finally happened, me going, Oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about Sawyer's flashback. And he is in mm-hmm. prison, you know. And um we see him boxing. We see him boxing in prison, you know, tough guy Sawyer. Um but then when he's coming back from his little boxing match, you see this guy, Munson. And uh he's getting the the shit kicked out of him, but the warden comes in and like kind of puts a stop to it. And, yeah, he's he's clearly one of those guys that is not doing well in prison. <laughs> yeah. Um he's uh he, he's not like a tough guy. He's a guy who ripped the government off of 10 million dollars. Yeah, he's a he's a white collar criminal. So, like yeah, he just doesn't fit in with a lot of these other people. He he flaunts privilege that a lot of the the inmates don't didn't have on the outside. Did you ever see the movie Out of Sight? No, I didn't. He's like Albert Brooks a little bit and out of sight, except a little less savvy. But <laughs> Albert Brooks and that was like a was playing like some like bald finance guy with a lot of money who that kind of pro- keeps him protected while he's in jail. <laughs> that makes sense. No, this this guy for sure is the type of guy where it's like, yeah, literally everything he knows about prison is what he's seen in movies. <laughs> Watched the Shawshank Redemption a couple of times. <laughs> He's like that that I mean I figured that covered it. <laughs> yeah. Um so Sawyer realizes the warden's protecting this guy. Warden's going to try to butter him up to to get that 10 million dollars he has hidden somewhere. And Sawyer comes to him and tells him this. Also, by the way, he calls him Costanza, which I love. <laughs> George. There are there are a couple of there are a couple of nicknames in this episode I like, but he calls him Costanza because he does look a little like, uh, you know, he's a, a short, stocky, bald man. He does look a little like Jason Alexander. And um, he's like, they're gonna, the warden's gonna like try to get your wife to turn against you. Like he's gonna, and he tells him all these things. And then the warden shows up, very intimidating, played by Bill Duke, terrific character actor and a director in his own right. Yeah, he's great. Oh my gosh, and he's good in this role too. And if you're if you're not super familiar with him as an actor, and you're like, where do I know this guy? He's in Pre- he's one of the guys in Predator. That's where a lot of people know him from. He's on that he's on that uh, that team in Predator, that team of tough guys. It makes my heart sing. <laughs> um, 
And he has this, like, intimidating little showdown with Sawyer where he even throws an apple to the ground and make him pick up his garbage. Like, basically, like, <laughs> I'm keeping an eye on you and I'm protecting Munson here. He's wasting food. That's how you know he's a monster. Yeah, he couldn't. Yeah, in these times, anyone who's wasting food. In these times, food. this guy threw a perfectly good apple on the ground. You son of a bitch. You can't get fresh fruit in 2020 America. What, are you crazy? <laughs> The supermarkets are out. <laughs> Actually, I think at the moment, um, fresh fruit is one of the things you can get. <laughs> I don't really know. Yeah, nobody wants to get nobody wants to get anything perishable. <laughs> so, um, America, twenty twenty people. Um, so then we see Munson is uh, with his wife in the the visit visiting room, whatever you call. It. What do you call that? Uh, I don't know. Literally, all I know about prisons is what I've seen on TV. Well, they're in that room. Were you the viewing room? Were you no? Because they, they they're not separated by that pane of glass. So yeah, I don't know. It kind of just looks like they're hanging out in the cafeteria. And who comes to visit Sawyer? Cassidy, the lady he swindled. Yeah, and you know, she conned her. So she pressed charges. Which, you know what? Good for her. <laughs> well, it's fair. He's he's like, you pressed charges. Like, you conned me. Yeah. Like, what? You stole my money. <laughs> but she's got some news. She's got a daughter named Clementine. What a cute name. Isn't and that, like, just adorable? It is. It is. It's perfect. It's also, like, it feels perfect that, like... Sawyer and Cassidy would have a daughter named Clementine. Like, all the names fit. Oh, yeah. It's just perfect. Now, <laughs> she she said, I don't know, maybe you could write her a letter. And this line, this line <laughs> did make me laugh. Because he wrote, Dear Goo Goo Gaga, she's a baby. <laughs> <laughs> that, line, that line did, even though it was actually... Said in a very serious moment. Maybe that's why it made me laugh also. It's funny um, that you said that that was something that made you laugh because I don't think it was played for laughter. I think it's gen genuinely meant to be um, taken seriously. Like <laughs> I, I think you're right too. And yet, the, just Sawyer saying goo goo gaga <laughs> under any context. Is going to make me laugh. And that's, I guess that's that tonal thing that I was like, because I think you're 100% right. I wasn't supposed to laugh at that. And, and yet here we are. <laughs> Josh Holloway on this rewatch, his delivery is so perfect in, in everything. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think about like in the hunting party where he's like, oh, yeah, there's my favorite leaf. Like, <laughs> His delivery on everything in this, like, Sawyer was always one of my favorite characters, but doing this rewatch gives me such an appreciation for his performance specifically. Yes, it's so, so good. And again, in these very trying times, you have to find joy where you can get it. And Josh Holloway's performance, I think, Will, is something that we can both agree on, even though we vehemently disagree about this show. I think we can both agree that it sparks joy within our hearts. <laughs> yes. So, um, 
So but this yeah. is very sad for <laughs> this is very sad for Cassidy. Yeah, and and yeah, she's basically coming to him like you have a daughter. You gotta deal with the fact you have a daughter, whether you want to or not. This is a fact. But Sawyer's like she's not mine. Like Sawyer's very vehemently uh, and, against this. And I I think I get what you're saying about like wanting to spend more time with this because. You know, Sawyer, he's he's an asshole, but he's an asshole with a heart of gold. And we know that since we've been with him for two and a half seasons now. We we get what he's about. Um, and he, like finding out that he's a parent, basically, you that's a huge thing for a character who witnessed the death of both of his. Yeah. So, and then, like, became the thing that ultimately destroyed his family. So the revelation that he himself is a father, that's kind of something that we want to process with him and examine with him and see how he reacts to it. Because, like, on the one hand, it's like, him reacting in this way is not at all surprising. But on the other hand, it's like, well, he might think he's no good and he might want to push people away. But like as a as a father, like wouldn't he want to be there for her in some respect and in a way that his father never was, you know? So it's it's interesting, like just the fact that he is a father is interesting and I think as an audience, we want to know, what are you going to do now that you have this information? And so the fact that we cut away right after this revelation, um, and then the way he's actually choosing to deal with this knowledge isn't revealed until the very end of the flashback. Yeah. I get what you're saying about how like there feels like there's a missing piece here. Like the next time we see him, he's reading uh, of Mice and Men. He's alone. But it like I almost it wish it doesn't we... tie into the information that we exactly. just found out. I wish there was something where we saw him being more contemplative or seeing like or maybe. I mean, I don't know if this is hack, but if he saw like some other prisoner being visited by their family, and that, but, but or it like gives if us we a... saw him like actually pull out a notepad and like bring out a pen and then start to try to write something, but he can't get any words out, yeah, and then just throws it away, yeah. I don't know, maybe. Because, like, I feel like that might have worked because that's show don't tell without, you know, having to 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 make it look like another prisoner has an idyllic family life <laughs> to at least show that it's like on his mind or something like that. But I don't know. I don't know. Um, maybe there was a deleted scene of him doing something along those lines and they just ultimately felt like it didn't work for pacing purposes or they felt like the surprise at the end of the flashback was a more effective payoff than showing him like ruminating about his kid well you know like if there's so much going on on the island now and there's so many characters that i think that's another reason these flashbacks get a little not not pushed to the side completely but feel like they're missing some moments and if this were like a netflix show today it you would have you would have more like that yeah um so but i i do i i will say that like you know even though it feels like there's a chunk missing because this is story progression like 
I I feel like I feel the forward momentum. I don't feel like it's just pointless information. And I feel like if we got another Sawyer flashback somewhere in the future, that it would tie up this particular story. I, I you know, this is this is an assumption on my part. I don't know if we get another Sawyer flashback episode, I, but that's kind of how I feel right now. I don't remember if we do or not. But hmm. but anyway, but, we still have. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, ahead. but you're. I, I I completely agree with you on that. Um, so. It's not a it's not a plot cul-de-sac like like last week. <laughs> exactly. Um, if anything, I'm just complaining because I like it and I want more, which is different than the. Then the, what was this? Yeah. <laughs> this wasted our time. <laughs> um. So. I almost called him Costanza. Munson comes <laughs> to Sawyer and he's like, oh, yeah, no, you're right. The if you're going to call him Costanza, you have to do it in the Sawyer accent. I can't. You know, we've already proven I can have the accent on this show. Uh, hear me sign off every week, and you know I can't do the accents. So, uh... Munson? Oh, Munson. He's like, yeah, the warden's turning my wife against me. I don't really understand how that went down, but the warden did it, because that warden, he's a con man himself. And <laughs> it takes a con to con a con man, or something along those lines. And he wants Sawyer to help him move the money, which I don't also understand how that's going to work. How is he supposed to do anything from the inside? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe Sawyer's got connections. I Maybe he can make a phone call. I don't know. But he's like, and Sawyer's like, why should I help you? Because you don't want that warden to get it all. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to get that warden. <laughs> and Sawyer's like, you're lucky I'm magic because that's how I'm going to move the money. But in a twist, we see Sawyer going to meet with the warden, and there are all these, like, kind of uh, flunkies hanging around. Like, who are these guys? These guys are with the Treasury Department, and Sawyer tells them exactly where the money is, and he gets his sentence commuted, which is. Uh, it's pretty good because uh, it's like a James Ford is now a free man, but and he gets a commission on top of it. Yeah, like that's crazy to me, and I want to know. I mean, I, I should have looked this up, but if you help the Treasury Department get back stolen government money, do you get to keep some of it? Maybe if there's a reward for it, like a, an established like reward. Like wanted, were there wanted posters of Munson, Munson. <laughs> up all over the country before he was caught? Munson, we got to get Munson. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if like, if as as like a government official, if you can turn to an inmate and go, "Hey, not only are we gonna get you off the hook, but we're also gonna get you some scratch, dog." Yeah, like I <laughs> bet you, like you or I, could get money on this because we don't have any real incentive. It's not our money that they stole, but. <laughs> Yeah, the reward for the pr inmate, you would think, is just getting your sentence commuted. But it doesn't matter. He gets this money, and what does he say to do with it? He wants to he wants to put in a in Albuquerque, in Cass and uh, not Cass in uh, Clementine's, Clementine's name. Clementine's name, yeah. yeah. So which uh, 
I, I think it's a little bit more complicated than just, hey, put it in this person's name. It's like, well, you need more information than that. Like, what's her social security <laughs> number? <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm, just, I've never met her. <laughs> it's just that. It's just like, Get it put, done. It, put it in John Smith's name. John Smith. Which John Smith? John Smith <laughs> in Albuquerque. <laughs> Thank you for not helping in the slightest. <laughs> um... But it's a not. It does it, look. It does show, but it, it does show that you know Sawyer was coming to terms with this idea, some level of acceptance of that he has a daughter out there, and that's going to come into play. That's going to be mentioned uh, uh, down the line too. It doesn't. Yeah. The series doesn't forget about the fact that Sawyer has a daughter. Yeah, it's it's an it's not only an acceptance of responsibility, but and you know wanting to look out for her, but in a lot of ways also tr- kind of trying to do right by her mom too because he stole her money, and so it yeah especially like Sawyer as a character experiences a lot of self loathing. He p- probably genuinely thinks that keeping her at a, you know an arm's length away. And, you know, just providing for her financially is the best thing he can do as a parent. Yeah. So I, it's, it, it, it fits 100%. Look, he's a, you know, he's a, the scumbag con man father. He doesn't want to give, uh, he doesn't want to give uh, Clementine the daddy issues everyone else on the series has. <laughs> She'll just develop daddy issues because he's not around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, She's gonna be like Boone, just running around looking for a parental figure to accept her. Tell me I'm doing good, someone, please. And this is how Clementine met up with John Locke. Well, no, no <laughs> joke, Will. No joke, Will. We've talked, uh, you know, we've spun our wheels a little bit about a potential sequel series slash reboot where you know lost the next generation or whatever, like Walt and Hurley, like. Uh, son and Jin's future daughter and Clementine could be there too. She should be lost the next generation. This this almost, now that I've said all these things out loud, it almost sounds like it's like lost the new class. Yeah. I, I'll tell you what. <laughs> if they made that show, I'd watch it and you'd watch it too because we'd be talking about it we on would, this podcast. We would be doing a podcast about it, yes. And in fact, I hope there's a lost reboot called The Next Generation or The New Class before we finish with this podcast. So <laughs> let's go to the island. Yay, which one? The Little Island. The little wait, wait. I want to go to the big island. I didn't. You didn't say that we got to choose islands. I want to go to the big island in Hawaii. We're gonna. Go, we will. We will go there once. I'll tell you what. We should. You know, the final episode of this podcast. We should record in Hawaii. Um. Okay. <laughs> Maybe it's just because I'm going a little stir crazy right now. But uh, sign me up. Yeah. Um, I gotta get out, man. My apartment doesn't get direct sunlight. I'm going a little bonkers. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so Jack is watching cartoons. Which uh, is always kind of funny whenever I watch, like, 
a, a series and all of a sudden an old cartoon pops up on TV where it feels almost like it's a public domain cartoon. Oh, this and was I look sudden. at it and I'm like, <laughs> this one, um, they, I remember this one. They used to show it on Cartoon Network all the time when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> why is he watching cartoons? But Jul- Because Ben believes in cruel and unusual punishment, I guess. So, um, Juliet comes in, and there's a little discussion of, he's, what demands to know why he's there, and then there's a little discussion of the power dynamics, uh, between her and, and Ben, and, and... I, this is one of those times where I, I sit down and I look at Jack and I say, bravo. Again, Jack is much better in small doses, because he, he barely factored into this episode, and I loved pretty much everything that that he, that focused on him this time around. Are you reading my notes? Because <laughs> I feel the exact same way. Like I really like through Skype. Can you see? Can you see this? Because I and no play. Yeah. Will <laughs> I? I basically. I basically wrote that, that, like, I love Jack in this episode. Like, this is the kind of Jack I like. And he's doing to Juliet. He's trying to do Juliet what Ben was doing to them last season. What he was doing with Locke about, like, who's in charge and the decision-making. Playing people against each other. Yeah, no, I love when Jack gets to act smart. It's almost like when the spotlight is focused on him like his mind goes blank and he gets stage fright (laughs) so he's just he's kind of at a loss but no like when he is not the focus of an episode he is so much more enjoyable and i i don't know why that is maybe it's because they have to be tighter with their storytelling because of you know a shorter runtime with his character but like all the beats that they hit with him in this episode spot on it was great and I also, just because right now I'm still not super a fan of Juliet, I loved him calling her out on the thing I don't like about her. <laughs> and that's her withholding information. So he asks her a direct question. She ignores it. And then he goes, can I just talk to Ben? And that boom, that immediately hits her where she lives. And she's like, uh, excuse you. Uh, we're like a team. And he's like, uh, that sounds made up. <laughs> And there's some there's some great timing there because when she's like, make decisions together, um, and he says the thing about well he was gonna let you die that seemed like his decision and she's really pushing back on that when Ben comes in basically demanding she do something. Now, well, you were talking about how uh, Josh Holloway's delivery of Goo Goo Gaga made you laugh out loud. Uh, this bit right here made me laugh out loud, and it was the hardest I laughed in the entire episode. Really? Yes. Okay. <laughs> just because Cause Michael, timing. yeah, because Michael Emerson's uh, just delivery is just so deadpan serious. Of Juliet, I need you. <laughs> it just completely pulls the rug out from under her. It's great, and it's also a great little moment because. It's obviously a misdirect because we think, oh, he's been watching this thing and he's annoyed that she thinks she's has some sort of power. But really it is that he needs her for the um, an emergency of the sub is back and Colleen is in critical condition. Whoopsie. That's what happens when you don't listen to Sun. That's just what I'm saying. 
But yeah, so they immediately go into emergency mode. So I feel like we'll get back to Jack's story. Uh, oh, this is yeah, kind of we'll circle. Yeah, back. this is kind of setting up now some of the dynamics that end up also happening in Sawyer's. Yeah, the the B and C stuff, um, or like, uh, what's is the A plot in this episode? The flashback? I don't I don't know how to categorize this anymore. Nah, I I don't think of the flashbacks as an A or B or C plot. It's like, like I feel flashback, like the A, are... B, C, etc. Yeah. Yeah, and like the A and B story really cross they over ping pong, at a few points yeah. here. Yeah, um, they ping pong back and forth a lot. They tie in. But uh, Danny, the other, has come to get Sawyer. And not another little Sawyer nickname I like. He calls him Chinatown. And there's... Because of the, uh, the nose thing, right? The nose, yeah, the broken nose. <laughs> uh, which, if you've never seen Chinatown, listeners, uh, there's a scene where uh, uh, actually... A character played by Roman Polanski in the movie cuts Jack Nicholson's nose, and then he's got his nose all bandaged up for the rest of the movie. So, uh, much like Danny does in this. Um. So Sawyer's nicknames on point. They, I, I, just, I guess I love Sawyer because he's so in tune to pop culture. But <laughs> you're like every time he says something, you're like, I understood that reference. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, um, they get a call over the walkie-talkie, and all of a sudden, like, there's some chaos, and they see Colleen coming through in a stretcher, and Danny runs over there, because this is Danny's, uh, 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 wife, or just... Paramore? Yeah. I don't know. And, um, Sawyer's all of a sudden very happy, because he's, he's like, he's like, oh, we got one of them. We did, we did that. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Woo, go our team!" Woo, he's he is beside himself with how happy he is. And now he knows they're going to be more distracted, and he thinks he can use this as a way to escape. So he starts setting up a trap. We already know that. I kind of love this too. It's pretty good because we already know there's an electrical charge that comes from that uh, that bear thing when you want to get the fish biscuit. If you any times or whatever. And Sawyer's got the water from the, the that comes down that spout. From the feeding yeah. thing. So it's filling up with, he's got like kind of a trail of water. And when the person gets in the puddle, he's going to push the thing to get the shock. It's going to give them a shock. It's also going to give him a shock, but he knows the shock is coming. And he knows he can handle it, and it's going to give him the jump on this person. Yeah, I I really liked this because you know a couple episodes ago uh, at the at the top of the the season, like you know him him trying to figure out this puzzle was very much something that they were kind of using to mock him, and now he's found a way to turn this thing that was meant to mock him into an actual weapon to use against his captors. I really like that. That's like, again, I'm not crazy about the this whole captivity plot line, but that's how you make a captivity plot line captivating. That's how you make it interesting. Um, and so I really love this idea. I really love this plan he comes up with. So then, of course, eventually Ben comes over. 
And Ben's asking Sawyer a bunch of questions about, like, his age and his weight. And then... Uh, being cryptic and weird, per usual, Ben. And then Ben steps in the puddle. Sawyer grabs him, but the electricity has been turned off. And Ben says, yeah, we turned it on. <laughs> because, of course, they're watching. We've been watching you, dude. Good plan, but, like, yeah, no cigar. <laughs> and then Ben beats the hell out of him. Ben is uh, tougher than he looks. Yeah, I would not want to mess with him. <laughs> I know he gets beaten up a lot in this series, but I yeah, when he when he's not on the receiving end, it's not pretty. Well, Ben got punched again in this episode. <laughs> yeah, he did. So, <laughs> so um when Sawyer comes to, we get a, we get to hear a little bit of dialogue about the others seem like they're a little nervous about the comms have been down ever since the sky turned perm. Clearly they're having difficulties communicating with other, what, other stations, other communities. Like we, we don't the really... outside world. We don't know. Yeah. I mean, we know, but we don't really know. Um, well, you know. I don't remember. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> I legit don't know. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess the fun isn't the surprise for me. <laughs> well, there are other stations. But anyway. Um, so Sawyer's strapped down and he's got like a like a leather strap on his mouth like to, you know, to bite down on because they are about to inject him with something. They got this huge needle. And then in another great little pop culture reference... Uh, they're like, no, no, hit him in the sternum, like in the movie. <laughs> uh, if you didn't catch out, there was a Pulp Fiction reference. It's funny. Um, what year did the movie The Rock come out? Uh, 96, 97. Okay, so it was before this. Because I was actually, I, uh, oddly enough, Pulp, um, Pop, uh, Pulp Fiction was not the first thing that came to my mind. Actually, The Rock was. Oh, really? Um, because uh, in that movie, you know, Nicolas Cage has to stab himself with the giant yes. needle. Um, and it also takes place, uh, hear me out, on a tiny prison island. Yeah. Uh, uh. Uh, uh. <laughs> 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 but no, I think you are probably more correct about what movie they're referencing. So when Sawyer comes to, Ben comes in with a bunny in a cage. (laughs) With a bunny's got an eight painted on him, and he puts it down. And they're they're not really explaining anything to Sawyer. And this is like a weird, almost like Lynchian moment. I hated this. (laughs) Where he Sawyer doesn't know what's happening, but it's very, but it's very upsetting. Like what it would because it's so weird. Sawyer, it's upsetting. For Sawyer and for us. Well, because it's a bunny. <laughs> he puts the bunny in the cage and puts the cage on Sawyer's chest. And he starts shaking the cage. And he's yelling at the bunny like, come on, come on, come on. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And then the bunny uh, appears to drop dead. Yeah, because Ben's a monster. And he explains to Sawyer that the bunny had like a little pacemaker in him. And when the bunny got too anxious and excited and his, his whole heart rate rate, uh, the pacemaker exploded his heart. 
now he is doing that to Sawyer. He's like, that's what we put into Sawyer. Now, I do have to point out that, like, this act of animal cruelty seems to really upset Sawyer in the moment. And I I do find, you know, obviously he's our our criminal with a heart of gold and all that. But, like, I also think it's funny that he's looking at, he's staring daggers at Ben after he kills, seemingly kills that bunny. And I'm like, didn't you, like, murder a baby frog (laughs) last season? You're not exactly a humanitarian. With his bare hand. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pot, kettle, you're black. Um... And Sora's basically like, well, why, why don't you just kill me? And they're like, oh, we're not killers. But they want to keep him in line. And the thing they say is, listen, they put this watch on him, and then your heart rate gets to 140, you, you, your heart's going to explode. <laughs> um, Which, upsetting. I think at that point, my heart rate would have immediately skyrocketed. <laughs> and he was like, don't tell Kate about this. You can't tell Kate. Or we'll do this too. So Sawyer's brought back to the cage. And of course he's got some explaining to do. Tell Kate what happened. He's just like kind of dismissively says. Uh, they asked me some questions. She knows he's, you can't bullshit a bullshitter. And Sawyer's got to watch now. <laughs> which <laughs> is also <laughs> something that needs explaining. Um... <laughs> And then Mr. Friendly comes and is like, oh, here's some new clothes for you guys to put on. And Kate tells Sawyer to, to turn around. But They also bring out, like, a sponge and a bucket <laughs> so that they can give themselves sponge yeah, baths. they clean themselves. These people are weird. <laughs> so Kate tells... There's a shower! <laughs> yeah, can't they bring them one by one into the shower? But, um... Uh, Kate uh, uh, says turn around and she's getting changed. But of course Sawyer has to steal a glimpse of her bare back as she's putting on a shirt. And um... Beep, beep, uh, beep, 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 beep. Yep, he's starting <laughs> to get excited by this. By the bare back of Kate. And um... His heart rate's going up, so then, as we said before, in order to bring it down, he uh, pours a bucket of water over his head. And she's like, where'd you get a watch? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, never mind, it's busted. It just doesn't work. It means nothing. <laughs> so, to get to the next part of Sawyer's story, we're going to have to cut back to the Jack story. Go for it. Do it. So, Jack had heard... Sawyer like screaming he heard it over the intercom and stuff the mysterious intercom where he may have also heard his father um and Juliet comes in very frazzled and Jack's basically like what did you do to Sawyer you got blood on you what do you what did you do to Sawyer and she's like it didn't do anything Sawyer we need your help we need your help because they need him to help operate on Colleen, who this these bullets from Sun. Now, uh, in order to get Jack, I thought this was like kind of an interesting, cool thing. They need to bring him to the lab where, or the operating theater where, uh, where Colleen's uh, at. Where yeah. Colleen's at. 
and they bring him past Sawyer and Kate with a bag over his head, and they blare sirens. So that they can't um, hear Sawyer and Kate yelling at him. So, But on the plus side, Sawyer and Kate now know that he's alive, because that was, that was sort something of a question up in the air. that was up in the air, yeah. So they bring him into this uh, into this operating area, and Ben's against is like, oh, why'd you bring? And Juliet's like, he can help. Like we need him. Yeah, I. It's hard to tell whether or not like she's she's genuinely doing this because she feels like it's in the moment anyway. She genuinely feels like it's Colleen's best shot, or if she's doing it as an intentional dig to to Ben. What we come to find out by the time it plays out is that she's just like, yeah, it was genuine in terms of she wanted to save Colleen, but it. Also, it was more like, well, Ben's not going to like this. And she's like, I don't care. Yeah. She's exerting some power. She's making the decision. But it's also the right decision. She's a, She is a doctor. And we find out in a little bit that she's a fertility doctor. She doesn't deal with death a lot. And she's not equipped to necessarily handle a, a bullet wound. Yeah. Um. Now, very important, when Jack is scrubbing up, he sees these x-rays and Juliet very quickly says those aren't for her and Jack makes note of this these are irrelevant don't look <laughs> so they go into surgery uh Danny is not even uh, one of uh one of them operating on another but uh you know get out of here dude yeah everybody's <laughs> everybody can't be in here everybody doctors are here makes only. him calm down so Jack is, and I actually thought this was such an effective scene. Um, there's a little bit of a callback. Jack first met Kate and asked him to do this, thing. this kind of like to Juliet. You got to do this, or you got to, you know, there's a little bit of that. But and there's yeah. a little bit of, but not overboard of Jack's unwillingness to give up kind of thing, because he's yeah, very. Yeah, fr- no, it's it's. The perfect amount. Yeah, it's the perfect amount. He asked for the crash cart. They, the, it's broken. Cause she, yeah, she flatlines like it, as he's in the middle of giving Juliet directions, and then yeah, he's like, okay, well, yeah, we gotta, we give me the pads, and she's like, they haven't worked for two years. <laughs> and he's trying to get her heart pumping, but it's, uh, it's, it's no, it's no use, and um, she dies. But. But yeah, this was perfect. It was the perfect amount of Jack going like, I don't give a damn. I'm going to try to save this person, um, which is 100% in line with his character, both as a positive and as a negative, without him being fanatical overboard, like, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this. It's, yeah, it's perfect. So this has ramifications because it sends Danny off the deep end. He wants to now take revenge on one of our heroes here. So he storms out of there, gets to pulls him out of that cage and starts beating the shit out of him. Like, it's a bad beating. But uh, Sawyer's not fighting back because he doesn't want his... uh, heart rate to go up although i feel like if you're getting beaten like that your heart rate would be going up uh anyway but i guess it's easier to control if it, he's just sort of 
like plays not plays dead but like if he just sort of like kind of rolls with the punches he probably thinks he can control his heart rate a little bit better you know you can control your fear and then if he actually engaged in a physical confrontation with this guy and then you know in fairness and then you lose control of like your heart rate in that scenario i don't know in fairness, if somebody hit me, my heart rate would probably go through the roof. But Sawyer's taken a few punches in his day. so he's, he, Much like the electricity. He's like, I know what that feels like. But he's got <laughs> him up against Kate's cage. And Kate is screaming for him to stop. And Danny just keeps yelling, like, do you love this guy? Love this guy. And then keeps hitting him. And Kate is is uh you know she's very... like what does that have to do with anything just stop he's already dead <laughs> kate finally after not saying anything really for a long time or not or just telling him stop finally says i love him and then he stops beating him which i don't know about you i kind of figured that that would make the guy go oh okay great uh and then like proceed to try to murder one of them i don't know yeah you would think you would think but uh you know danny's not he probably knows he can't kill sawyer that like ben will be upset that it's against whatever plan they have for these people kate earlier some time passes and kate earlier had noticed uh there was uh the space in the bars and the in the roof were big enough that she can get through them so she in a moment where it also starts to rain setting a mood here she climbs up there and uh uh gets out all the while she sawyer's get- going like no get down stop it <laughs> yeah yeah sawyer's like don't do that because sawyer knows there's these inherent dangers that kate doesn't know also to him is when she gets out she basically is like I'm going to get you out now. She's working on the lock. And he's like, no, leave. Every man for himself. Get out of here. Go. And she's like, no. She's like, what did they do to you? Like, they broke him. Yeah, and, and she, she makes the point of she's like, hey, I know you. I, I know that this is, that you're clearly lying to me. And that, like, so whatever they did to you actually scares me more than anything we've seen so far. And... Uh, you know what? I, I know that this arc has not been kind to Kate up until this point, but god dang if I didn't really appreciate this episode for finally letting her do something. Yeah. She finally gets to be proactive, and it made me so happy that the bare minimum bar <laughs> was reached for her. So... Thank you, show, for finally giving Kate the bare minimum to do. And he says to her, um, if you love me, you'll go. And she says, I only said that uh, so he'd stop hitting you. Which is, you know, that's a that, that hit hurts harder than any punch Danny threw. <laughs> and if you pause it, well, you can actually pinpoint the exact second <laughs> his heart rips in half. <laughs> Um, so she goes and gets back in the cage, and she has a little, like, where he was, like, every man for himself, and she's, like, live together, die alone. And you know what? I like that. 
I like that callback. I don't know if it gets I don't know if it gets overused in the series or not, but I feel like this was a really good Yeah, and it's also kind of throwing Jack's words in the (laughs) face. Um But Ben, you know, Ben's always watching. And Ben shows back up and he says, uh, Sawyer, we're gonna go for a little walk. It is quite a hike they're going on they're climbing up these these hills these cliffs on the island yeah looking at how like steep that trail was i would have been like you know what i i would have given up i would have been like well guys it's been real (laughs) this is where i die and his heart rate's getting higher higher and uh sawyer's like hey like my heart's gonna explode and Ben's like, what are you, nuts? We didn't put anything in you. Which, by the way, I mean, did Sawyer think there was, like, surgery done on him? Because they're, I mean, they pushed that, unless he thinks that, I, I don't, because they clearly didn't put a pacemaker in him. <laughs> Sawyer, it's funny, for how intelligent Sawyer is, they also paint him as not, you know, the brightest crayon in the box. But you know what? It's also a con. Like, they inject him with the thing. He passed out. They killed the rabbit. And then even as, uh, uh, you know, they, but, but they didn't kill the rabbit. A twist. Ben pulls out the rabbit with the number eight on him from his bag. And here's the thing. He goes, like, when when uh, Sawyer is like, how do I know you guys just didn't get another rabbit and paint an eight on it? And Ben is like, you don't. I sit here and I question, how do we know that's not the same rabbit, but from an earlier point in time, uh... since we know that time traveling bunnies is a frustratingly large part of the plot of this show time traveling bunnies is when this show goes from great to greatest but we'll cross that bridge next season i hate i hate it so much well i love it so much it makes me so upset um, do you think I I I don't think he killed that bunny. I think he's saying the truth because I don't understand what uh, what 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 killing the bunny. Well, would I don't understand why putting a pacemaker in a bunny would have. I mean, that seems like a lot of work to do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like you'd go through more bunnies trying to perfect yeah. the process. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. But the point is, is that uh, as Sawyer points out, you know. He has no way of knowing if the information they're presenting to him actually is fact or not, or if it's all part of the game. And Ben very much enforces that. He's like, yeah, you definitely don't, so just do what we say. (laughs) Um, So they get to the top of this cliff, and there's another reveal, even more shocking than the bunny still being alive. They see... The island, the island that we think we've been on this entire time. But really, we're on a second, smaller island uh, (laughs) near that island. So it's basically the idea of, like, you can't escape anyway. This is Alcatraz, as you referenced before, Megan. And um, they said they had to do this whole con on Sawyer because the only... uh, 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 
the way to make a con man respect them is to con them. And uh, but they said it's very interesting that the thing that that made you was it wasn't the heart rate thing. It was when we threatened Kate. That's the thing yeah. that made Sawyer calm down. Um, so that's pretty much the Sawyer storyline, because it kind of ends with him just looking off at the island in the. Yeah, uh, he's like, "Well, shoot, <laughs> how do we build another raft?" <laughs> but there's a little button on the Jack storyline. Jack has been, uh basically uh handcuffed near colleen's body they want him to sit with it for a little longer i think less gross (laughs) yeah i think it's less because he failed to save her and more like because his people did this kind of thing like yeah no this isn't a uh this isn't a you you failed to prevent this this was a yeah your your people did this so look what you guys did so Juliet comes in, and they have this little talk, and this is when she reveals she's a fertility doctor. Like, that's what, what she is. And Jack basically says she said when we they put her on the table, and Juliet's like, are you just saying it to make me feel better? Uh, and Jack could give a shit. <laughs> um, because and- I, I really like that. He's like, I don't really care how you feel. Um, one, because his bedside manner is terrible. And two, because they are still enemies. Like, yeah. this was this was but, great. But we're seeing, like, genuine emotion from Juliet. She's not just this cold character. Because they're very cold and possibly calculating. Like, she's shaken by this. Well, the other thing, too, is that it's it might be Jack going, like... I'm not doing this to placate you because that's what she that's what she's guessing is that he's just saying it to placate her. Um, no, this is him being like, no, this is from one medical professional to another. Like, this is just the yeah. facts. And um, so Jack asks, whose x-rays are those? He's like, because these people, they have a tumor and the tumor happens to be on the spine. And Jack is a spinal surgeon. So Jack asked Juliet, point blank, who am I here to save? I really like that. I like that too. And I also like, look, and I mean, okay, spoiler, but she already told you there were going to be spoilers. <laughs> um, it, it's Ben, and it yeah. makes sense. And it's a great, uh, like, I like that idea a lot. Yeah, I, I really... Like I said, as much as I dislike this captivity plotline, I love the intent behind it of, like, Ben, who is the unquestioned, unopposed leader of the others, um, who's this very scary guy when he wants to be, um, desperately needs Jack's help in order to survive. And so that's what this has all been about. It's this giant power play so that he can get the leader of one group to do what he does best and save and save his life now um while also still trying to maintain his power it's it's fascinating it is it's a great dynamic and i actually you know i have issues with the captive storyline but i really like this episode like i like it a lot i like me the, too i like the, the more we've talked about it the more i'm genuinely like yeah, no, this was great. <laughs> Sawyer's great. His dynamic with Kate is great in this episode. The 
the bunny thing is is so weird. The surgery scene is fantastic. I um I I like this. Uh, but oh, just um talking about uh the bunnies, we forgot to mention that uh, this is where uh <laughs> Sawyer dropped his literary knowledge on on Ben. He starts talking about of mice and men, which he read in and- prison. Which he read in prison, and then uh, Ben starts quoting it back at him. And at that point, he should have been like, yeah, we have a book club. You should join it sometime. <laughs> Maybe we could get you to Skype in. <laughs> you know. From your polar bear cave. But this is another reason why him and Juliet probably fell in love eventually, because uh, uh, she puts together a book club, and he's a voracious reader. So, they it was a match made yeah. in literary heaven. Um, <laughs> but there is another storyline going on, a small one, but uh, an interesting one. So Desmond, who last time we saw him was throwing rocks into the ocean while his predictions of the future came true, he has clothes again. Thank goodness. And, <laughs> and he's sitting there, and he's he's staring at Claire and and baby Aaron. And he's thinking about something. He goes over to him and he's like, uh, I'll fix your, uh, I think you, you need your roof fixed. I think you should move down uh, the beach and I'll fix your roof. I'll fix it for you and then you'll be back here by tomorrow. And of course, Charlie comes over and everything with Charlie's like a big dick contest. <laughs> and he's like, hey, I'm handy. I'll fix it. <laughs> I was building a church with Mr. Echo. I could build... Uh, I love. I loved what he the way he said it though. He was like, "I was building a church before Echo exploded." Yes. <laughs> so Desmond kind of backs off from this, but he knows he has to do something, but we don't know why. So the next time we see him, uh, Paulo is um, hitting golf balls into the ocean. Which, by the way, how many golf balls do they have that they could afford to be just knocking them into the ocean? I don't know, man, because they've, they've been doing this for, like, two months. Because they, they found that golf kit in, like, a week in, right? Yeah, and they built a golf course. But Paolo's not. He's going to waste them all. New character, he's like, Paolo. I'm not, he, he's like, I'm not going to do it on the course. No, because I'm a terrible person. I'm going to launch them into the ocean where we can't get them back. So, Desmond... Can I just say, though, that I kind... That, like, this, to me, was a much better introduction for his character than like then then they were introduced I know that they were introduced last week but this is like if this was the first time we had seen him I like there would have been a moment or two of like hey who the hell is this guy but because they don't draw attention to it like I kind of felt like it worked a little bit better almost I don't disagree yeah um Paulo Desmond comes and asks to borrow one of the golf clubs, and and Paulo gives a little resentment of, and it's a resentment we've heard from some other people before, like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna go off on some crazy adventure, and the yeah, we'll take the five iron because when you get killed in the jungle, I don't need that one back. I barely use it. <laughs> yeah, Paulo, it's funny that you think somebody else is gonna get killed in the jungle. You're adorable, <laughs> you dummy. So Desmond, the five iron. He's building something, and then he kind of stands back, and he's watching it, and Hurley's looking at it, and it's kind of a tower 
with uh, it's a shame he never met Anna Lucia he builds towers she digs holes I feel like they could have been yin and yang <laughs> and the his golf club is the golf club's at the top of the tower like a steeple and Hurley's like is that art and Desmond's <laughs> like it's an experiment and then Hurley's about to walk out from under the little hut cover that they have built and Desmond's like oh you might want to wait a second and it starts to rain and Hurley's like looking at Desmond because Hurley believes Desmond might be able to tell the future and suddenly does this and then what happens right next to uh uh Claire's little uh uh home there hut there hut lightning strikes but because Desmond had built this lightning rod it hits the golf club and not presumably where it would have hit. Not her which home. Which is her yeah. home. <laughs> and even Charlie's looking at Desmond a little at the end of that. How did Desmond know? Now, bum, bum. is he psychic because of electromagnetism? Is Are you asking me that? Yes. Yes. That that was a that that high pitched bit at the end of the sentence was a question mark. But I wasn't sure whether <laughs> I don't I don't know I don't know. Um, yeah, like he's gone through a profound experience, Megan. He is he, slightly sh- out of time. Yeah, he could shift through time, which is going to be very important for the greatest episode of Lost, which we'll talk about next season. Um. But do these, may I ask, does this immediate semi-psychic ability go anywhere? Does it, like, lead directly into the constant? I don't remember. Uh, well, the semi-psychic ability will also... Does it lead to the looking glass? It does. Okay, because I, like, as I'm watching this, I'm like, I don't remember him having psychic powers. Well, does le- this go anywhere? Because it- usually if I'm like, I don't remember something, I'm like... That probably means it wasn't important. It so leads It's good to, to hear it, it leads for, somewhere. It leads to foreknowledge of certain events that are going to become very important. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> I couldn't remember if it went anywhere because I was like, is this another plot called a No, this one, I don't this know. goes places. Um, so, Megan, that's the episode in a nutshell. Let's let's start with our our Jacobs. What's your uh, what's 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 something you like that the fear? I'll let you go first at the fear though that you might steal mine. Um, I really do like Jack in this episode. Um, this all the the flashback stuff with Sawyer was uh, like on point. It was great, but just because I've been complaining so thoroughly about it the last couple episodes, I'm gonna give it to Kate. Fucking finally being proactive. Yeah. Thank you for giving her her agency back, guys. Thank you. It only took four episodes. Neat. We've already talked about it, but mine was going to be Jack in this episode. And it was kind of for similar reasons. Like, I'm always so hard on Jack. I've been hard on Jack this season in particular. Uh, But I really like the way they used him in this episode. Yeah, I, I don't really have too much to complain about. Jack was great. The flashback was great. A lot of interpersonal character stuff was great. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff here. But with that said, Megan, complain about something. What's your man in black? Um, It is weird, because even though, like I said, all in all, I really enjoyed this episode, like the bunny pacemaker thing 
one could argue was a little contrived um and it led to kind of a contrived you know it might have been it might have been kind of funny but like the the comedic elements were sort of lost here where the the scene where Kate's getting changed and his heart rate skyrockets like I think it's supposed to be amusing, but I don't particularly find it amusing and it was played straight. So I don't know. Um, that one, I didn't, I wasn't crazy about that. Um, and yeah, I also was watching the Desmond scenes like going, does this go anywhere? I don't remember. Um, so I, I think I'm going to give it to, hmm. Because there's nothing really overtly bad here. I, um, yeah, I think, I think tonally there's some stuff that's off, but they're like momentarily stuff. Like they're really momentary yeah. stuff. They're not like a whole plot line. You know what? You know what I'll give it to? I'll give it to the whole uh, do you love him or not? Or, or just generally speaking as, as a huge plot point and emphasis in this episode, I'll give it to the BS love triangle stuff because... I feel like, the, again, we're spinning our wheels. I feel like it doesn't... I get it, like, but at the moment, I'm not finding it intriguing. I'm finding it tedious. So I'm going to give it to the, the moments in this episode that are intentionally playing into the love triangle because ultimately this love triangle goes nowhere. <laughs> um, I'm going to just to shake things up a bit i'm gonna i'm gonna go really outside the box for my man in black this week um it is a week where you talked about kate having agency you know who else has a little too much agency evangeline lily (laughs) i'm going outside of the episode for this one to bring the real world into it where Evangeline Lilly, who I love on this series and I think is so great, and I love her as, uh, you know, the Wasp and all this stuff, but... Oh, yeah, man. this is she's not good. She's making some poor decisions regarding the coronavirus, where she's one of these people who's just like, yeah, I'm not going to quarantine. I'm going to go live my life. Well, what? That could screw up some other people's lives. So, Evangeline Lilly... Uh, you got very... We know you listen to this podcast, obviously, because you have to hear about the ongoing adventures of Detective Kate. Um, coronavirus is one mystery Detective Kate uh, can So stay inside, please, Evangeline Lily. Um, on the flip side of that, I will also give my man and to the coronavirus for infecting uh, Daniel Day Kim, uh, Jin, who uh, was diagnosed with it. Yeah, that yeah, broke my but, heart, man. And, you know, I haven't heard anything since, and I'm so, sure. I mean, look, you could be, like, healthy, and this thing could still mess with you. No one's invincible. But, you know, he yeah. seems like a like a, a healthy guy, and he's got, uh, I'm sure, good, uh, good doctors and stuff. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so how dare you infect yeah. uh, one of our favorites from the island? Like, if you didn't already know that the coronavirus was serious business, now you know. So, um, yeah, I went outside the box. No. <laughs> I mean, like we said, uh, like, there might be things where, like, tonally speaking, there's a, a disconnect between the writing and the directing. But, like, again, those are very few and far between. Yeah, and we talked about maybe some missed potential in the flashback. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like for the most part, the, the 
the shortcomings of this episode are maybe just stylistic choices that we're just not crazy about. They don't, they aren't necessarily inherent flaws. Megan, where can the people find you? You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams, where my co host Katie Kelly and I talk about horror things. And I am a member of Rooster Team Radio, where me and my co host discuss all things Rooster Teeth. So go and give those a listen. You can follow me on Twitter at The Real Will Link. And, you know, while you're. Uh, bunkered down, hunkered down in your apartment uh, or, or home, buy my book, Crazy About Kurt. Although God knows if it can get delivered to you because I tried ordering some hard copies of books that I don't think will ever arrive. <laughs> um, but you could also get it on Kindle, so uh, I was just being like, I want to own the hard cover of this. But, you know, buy my book on Kindle and read it and enjoy it during this crisis. Um, so, uh, oh, you can also follow us at no love lost pod and um yeah until next time see you in another life brother hey there everybody i'm will link of no love lost with me as always megan salinas hey everybody and we're here to talk to you about the podcast jukebox a diy podcast network uh, yeah, the podcast Jukebox Network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, and so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcast put on by this fantastic network. If you are enjoying No Love Lost, definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts, far, many of which are far less vanilla than we are. Uh <laughs> Uh, uh, Off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have The Queers Next Door, also on the network. Uh, Proud to be Kinky. Uh, Drinks with God. And a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean Podcast? Yeah. Will hmm. he? Oh, no. Spoiler alert. Uh, not as frequently as usual. <laughs> but you should definitely subscribe to all these shows, rate them, listen to them on iTunes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, these are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. We're on the same network. <laughs> so yes, rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows. And don't forget to rate them all five stars. And also rate us five stars. Yeah, while you're at it, you're listening to us. Might as well give us a rating. <laughs> you're already there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs>